0: Welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Hey, did you have a good Christmas? Are you looking towards a new year? Maybe part of your new year strategy is, well, first, make sure you get a new license. But second, maybe you're looking at the west and coming out here and visiting with us and checking out some of the incredible hunting, say, west of the uh, Mississippi, primarily the west of the Rockies for a lot of us, but I'm going to touch on a lot of that as we study and absorb the code of the New West. We'll also have the Upland Nation Puzzler a prize, and it's all made possible by Roughland Performance Kennels, Happy Jack Dog Care Products, Sage and Praker Gun Care Products, Pointer Shotguns, Dr. Tim's Natural Performance Dog Food at Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School. Did I mention we'll also share your thoughts on a topic near and dear to all of us, and that is, what is the hardest part of finding new hunting spots? Well, we'll listen to your tips and laments, and maybe I'll offer up a couple suggestions both in the body of this podcast and then also in the uh, question and answer period later. We are brought to you in part by Sage and Breaker Gun Care products crafted at the highest caliber. Make sure you sign up for their mailing list at sageandbreaker.com. That's where you'll get first notice on all the new products and the very rare sales that Fred Bohm, the founder of Sage and Breaker, lets loose every once in a long while. Some of the newest products, if you didn't get the right things in your stocking or under your tree this Christmas, take a look at their gun case. Full access to the entire gun through a three-quarter length brass zipper. Quick access by just unbuckling the leather strap on the top flap. Don't take my word for it. Tim Canody says, this gun case is of the highest quality materials and craftsmanship. It's like everything else Fred Boehm does at Sage and Breaker. It is an heirloom quality piece of gear. And speaking of heirlooms, if you're looking for your son or daughter's first heirloom, look no further than LegacySports.com for a new shotgun, Everything you need right there in their pointer shotgun department. From the Acreus Over and Under, that's available in olive drab, gray, bronze, and regular gun color, too, all Sarah Their Field Tech Semi Automatics with the same Sarah if you'd like. Their Sport Tech Target guns, and their looks. That's L U X. Over and Unders. If you are looking for a starter gun, an upgrade of one sort or another, go to Pointer Shotguns. That's at LegacySports.com, LegacySports.com. Well, I uh, was asked to give a talk at the uh, upcoming annual meeting of the North American Versatile Hunting Dog Association, And luckily they picked a topic for me that I uh, love and know sort of well and thought it would be worth sharing with you as you look at the upcoming year and uh, where you might be going and that sort of thing. Had a lot of fun with it. It's called The Code of the New West, as opposed to the old one where you kiss your horse and Always ride for the brand. This is a little bit different, but a lot of it does take place in locations like that Thought that would be a fun way to put this whole thing together It's all about, you know, finding places to hunt what to do when you get there. What are the big opportunities in the new West? And uh, So let's just jump right in and take a quick look at this stuff The first thing you got to remember is the new West is in large part still the old West alive and well I'm thinking of a, a day I had most recently hunting with a buckaroo friend of mine who, uh, well, you know, he does everything on that ranch from riding and roping. Yeah, lots of that to uh, uh, running some of the machinery when he, it's time to harvest hay and that sort of thing. Last time I was over at his place, hmm, had a lot of fun. Yeah, sure. Right. Fixing the... Uh, the irrigation uh, pump so we can get some water to what little grass there was growing that time. Anyway, it is what it is. Uh, It is a time for you to kind of make your um, transition mentally and emotionally. Uh, Remember that there is that element of the past, the history, and some of that may end up in our future as well. So keep that in mind and don't be surprised if uh, traffic stops Once in a while, especially in the fall, when they're moving cows down the only easy stock driveway might be the highway. You know, there's some incredible scenery out here. Some people would call it stark. Some people would call it ugly. Most of the time I call it pretty darn beautiful. It's just a different kind of beautiful. And you never know what you might find when you're out there from, uh, you know, I remember being stalked, as it were, by a band of bighorn ewes and lambs. That was kind of cool. We find arrowheads every once in a mile. There's, um, well, a lot of other adventure, if you will, history, mystery, sublime beauty or awe-inspiring vistas. I'm remembering one time we were up at the top of a chucker hunt above the clouds. Pretty incredible that time and uh, made for some great pictures. You've probably seen one or two of them in a magazine once in a while, but incredible places. And uh, remember that uh, no matter how ugly you think they are, somebody thinks they're beautiful and they all deserve your respect. And. Uh, your care. I'm thinking of a place uh, that I introduced a good friend to a while back that is about as wild as you can get. you know, bear in mind, especially the, the area we call the Great Basin, that that inland Northwest, if you will, starts way down in Nevada. It's between the Cascade Mountains, the Sierra Nevada Mountains and the Rocky Mountains and it covers basically anything in that area where the water runs into that giant basin and, and then doesn't come out. Yep. Yeah, uh it's incredible, mainly desert, but desert doesn't necessarily mean sand and sand dunes and that sort of thing there's lots of topography there's lots of water sometimes some years more than you wish sometimes not enough especially if you're running cows but there's always something to see and it's always uh, an opportunity to not only um, appreciate the solitude that you might find but a chance to look inward and uh Enjoy what you uh, come up with in the way of novel thoughts and appreciate some of the well, less common beauty that there is out there in the New West. From the smell of sagebrush uh, in the morning, it's it's unmistakable and it reminds me so much of every trip I've ever taken out there, to um, the water when you find it on rocks, you know, streamside. There is a distinct smell that you can't find, you know, in a west side stream or an eastern woods and the brooks that run there. It's all about the differences between the New West and all the other places that we've been. I'll never forget one story that kind of sums everything up. And uh, and I, I tell this only because... Out there in the New West is an incredible opportunity once in a while to, well, to bond with people and dogs. And one in particular comes to mind. Uh, My friend Ben and I had split up in the morning, hunted uh, opposite directions. I got back before he did, poured a beer, sat at the truck and just killed some time looking at the... uh, Oh, the little things that count, Uh, the mule deer in the distance, the river way out there, and a tired dog uh, that had worked really hard that day. When I hear a truck laboring its way up the hill that we came up, which we thought we were crazy to do, but luckily I have Kevlar in my tires now. Anyway, it pulls up right next to my truck and out of the passenger seat comes my friend and hunting buddy this time around, Ben. And he says, look who I found. I was walking up the hill, and uh, this guy drove past and said, are you lost? No. Are you hurt? No. You want a lift? Sure. Where are you headed? I'm going up the hill there. My friend Scott Linden and I were hunting together. We separated, and now I'm trying to get back before he finishes off all the beer. Mark says, hey, I know him. <laughs> when Mark gets out of the truck, he says, you don't know me yet, but you will. We're Facebook friends. We trade notes on some of the places like this. And uh, here we are together. Well, that led to more hunting stories and more beer. We all survived. And in fact, uh, Mark, like several others of you out there, has become a, you know, a, real-life friend as well as a Facebook friend, and and that's probably in large part due to the fact that we share the the same aesthetic, if you will, for wild places, primitive stuff, and bird dogs and birds. But there's all sorts of other things out there that'll bring you to the West or bring you back to the West after that first visit. There's petroglyphs and pictographs, all over the place out there some of them made by the same kind of folks we are hunters looking for good spots to find game or telling other people where the game is more predominant there's history of all sorts I'll i uh, will um, never forget drinking whiskey with a bow-legged old broken down cowboy many years ago who kept relating story after story after story, and I finally realized I've heard all these stories before. Okay. No, I didn't. I read them. That's when I asked him his name and uh, found out that somebody had written a book about him, and I had just finished reading it. Among the many he told was uh, his great-grandparents who try as they might they couldn't stand off the bannock tribe in the last battle of the bannock indian war in eastern oregon many many years ago the ruins from their burned out stage station still stand in andrews oregon and i tip my hat to them every time that i drive past and i drive past there a lot thank you cactus for the stories Thank you for bringing your friend Larry along with more stories. That's the kind of stuff we see in the New West. Incredible history, mystery, wonder. It's all right there. But there's also a gigantic repertory of public land. Yeah, this land is your land. And in the West, most of the real estate is public that's the incredible part we have access to publicly owned land that the bureau of land management forest service administers we have walk-in areas where our state game agencies have made arrangements with private landowners it's all out there for the picking and there is more than you could ever explore in a lifetime in the new west Let's remember, beyond the basics, the usual suspects for public ground, there's plenty of smaller agencies or less known patches of ground administered by everybody from state school funds to the Corps of Engineers. Some of the state parks are huddable. If you're headed west, the first thing you want to do is, well, get a hold of that little booklet I created a while back. Just go to findbirdhuntingspots.com and and take a look at the booklet I put together on uh, public land sources, if you will. Information sources, lists, what's open to hunting, what's not. It's all there at findbirdhuntingspots.com. You got a paper map, you old school like me sometimes. Well, open it up. You'll need a lot of room to do that. These guys, I think they sleep under their maps after they're done printing them. They're that big. Look for the yellow and the green and the blue patches on those maps. Those are, generally speaking, the public areas. If you're searching online or with your mobile app, well, you know the drill on those as well. Just remember, sometimes those mobile apps are not as up-to-date. They're not as current as you wish they would be. Don't ask how I know that. All right, so uh you've decided to come because there's a bird on your bucket list uh, quite often. Uh that's how my conversations start with many of you. It could be a chucker, it could be a sharp-tailed grouse, it could be a Hungarian partridge. <laughs> I said uh, I, I told a, a good friend of mine I was I was having an incredible partridge hunt a couple months ago, a couple weeks ago, just just a couple weeks. And uh He said, I've never even seen a gun. And I know he's seen a gun because I hunt with him all the time. He he sends another text right after that. Damn spell check. Yeah, well, there's huns out there as well. There's mountain quail. There's, of course, a few ringneck pheasants that are accessible. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the second half of the podcast. And there's uh, what might be my favorite New West bird. The valley quail. Some of you call it the California quail. Those are those are the bucket list birds for a lot of folks trying to fill, uh, you know, their slam. You know, especially with that mountain quail. But whatever it is, they're all out here, and uh, all of them available on public or publicly accessible land. You know, I'm not going to talk about some of the other denizens of the New West because I just don't have enough experience with them. Number one sage grouse. Yes, I've killed sage grouse in uh, two states out of sheer luck more than anything else. I couldn't tell you what to do with them, but I'll tell you what to do with all the others. Uh, Ditto for the uh, blue grouse or the sooty grouse or whatever we're calling it these days, and even the rough grouse. I've had the pleasure of hunting with some real experts, but primarily in the northeast and the upper midwest. So, Uh, If those are on your bucket list, there are better places to go for the last two. The sage grouse, it's a tough nut to crack, and it's also becoming harder and harder to find some place where you can actually hunt them. All right. Well, we've got a lot more to talk about here. We're just getting warmed up. We've covered kind of the short list, your shopping list, if you will and we'll have more to talk about, uh, including the Upland Nation Puzzler a Prize, your thoughts on what's tough about finding new public land. And I'll get into the nitty-gritty on our Code of the New West Primer for all of you who might consider coming on out here. So stick around. This part of the podcast is brought to you by HappyJackInc.com, HappyJackInc.com. My friends Manning and Joe Exum might be able to save you a trip to the vet once in a while. You know, I was just digging in Flick's fur just because, you know, I like stroking the back on my dog. He's worked hard for me. It's the least I can do for him. A week after a wicked valley quail hunt, uh, punctuated, pardon the pun, by a lot of Barbed wire crossings. Well, every one of those I could find on the uh, at the end of the hunt, while he was on the tailgate, got a squirt of Happy Jack seal and heal. It covers the wound. It keeps him from licking at it. It seals it off from all the gunk and crud that could get into it on the next hunt. So um, think about all the reasons you might want to save yourself a trip to the vet, and if it's a cut or a scratch. HappyJackInc.com is where you get your seal and heel. Also on that trip, I finally gave the maiden voyage to my brand new Roughland Kennel. Added it to the reconfigured back of my pickup truck, RoughlandKennels.com. And rough is R-U-F-F. Find out about all the accessories in, in addition to their dog crates. I was, uh, like I said, reconfiguring my truck so that uh, it works better for me and for Flick. Uh, Dogs, storage, both types, water and dry goods, even bowls. They've got it all at roughlandkennels.com. Hey, welcome back to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Glad you're sticking with me, learning all about the New West, how to find it philosophically and literally, and what to do once you get there. Well, you know, people ask all the time, where do I start? And and you probably have already figured out a lot of that. Here are some of the things that I take into account, maybe not in this order all the time, but. If I am looking to go to a new place, either within the New West or uh, beyond, I look at these things. How far I'm willing to travel. What species I'm targeting. And then I jump on the internet. I'll search everything. And I mean everything on the topic. So, for example, if I'm looking for sharp-tailed grouse, I'll just... Type that into the search engine bar and uh, see what comes up. If I know for a fact that the farthest I'm willing to go is eastern Montana, then I'll add that to the search. Beyond that, I'll pull out my paper maps because they're always fun to look at. In fact, I'll always uh, put a paper map on the wall for a few weeks before I go anywhere. It gives me a you know kind of feel for the lay of the land. They're fun to look at. They're easily accessible that way. When you got a minute or two, you pour it a coffee, and you're not right, quite ready to get back to work. Those are all ways that I can kind, kind of get a feel for you know where I might want to go, and then start narrowing down the search. Other things that help me figuring out where I'm going to stay when I'm there. Do I need a hotel? Can I camp in my RV or in my wall tent? It's all, you know, part of the decision-making process. From there, you can look at a map and kind of start drawing some lines here and there, doing some Google Map scenarios that might or might not play out. While I'm doing all that, I'm also starting to make some phone calls. Everybody from the... uh, game bird biologists in the area to the people who answer the phone at the front desk at the local wildlife agency office some of them are sometimes even better sources than the folks uh, the alleged scientists who spend too much time behind a desk and not enough time in the field if i have friends in the area if i'm a member of a, a dog club that has a chapter in the area always worth a look you can always do some sleuthing online. I'm not asking you to ask anybody for advice on exactly where to go, but some people are actually helpful in that regard, whether it's a um, a uh, private message or a phone conversation after the fact. If somebody wants to help you take their advice, be gracious about it, be judicious about how you share that advice, Some people are more than willing to help if they think you are sincere, earnest, honorable, and a sportsman. There are other people to call as well. I have talked to folks uh, at the hotel or the campground. I've talked to the UPS driver in the area when he stops for coffee. All those folks can help you find places to hunt. In fact, way back in the old days when... None of that was available except for a phone and your own legwork. I was filling up the gas tank in a little tiny town that was a stage station in the 1880s. And while I was chatting with the guy at the other side of the pump, filling up his tank, we got to talking about what I was doing. He got to talking about where he'd just been. He reminded me that um, that time of year, Chuckers always came to water once a day. And so, if we would go to that creek at that time of day, we'd find birds. And you know, he was right. He was absolutely right. And I am grateful to him and have made that clear over and over again since. Thank you, Jack. Your advice paid off that time. It's since paid off in other ways in other places. So uh, let that be a lesson there to you as well. You know, maybe there's somebody out there who hadn't even thought about who could be of help to you. Be circumspect. Check your politics at the door. Stay humble and you never know where you might find your next bunch of birds. Now, here's one. And someday I'll do a whole podcast on the strategy and tactics of uh, hunting public access land in particular. But for now, when you're looking at your maps, and by now hopefully you've gotten your public access directory, your hunting atlas, whatever they call it, in whatever state you're going to, I like to pick several spots in the same general area for a bunch of reasons. Some of them are obvious. You know, the road is closed, the place is flooded out, It got grazed because there was a drought. There's already three guys parked there. Whatever it is, sometimes you just can't go to the first place you want to go. But if you're down the road from another place, or another place, or another place, sometimes really good things happen. I was racing from one place in South Dakota to another place in South Dakota, after i'd been another place in south dakota that nobody bothered with because it was only about 30 40 acres killed a bird there was heading for the next spot stopped at a four-way stop to my right at the four-way was another truck with a dog box by a dog trailer behind it i waved him through he waved me through i waved him through he waved me through finally i just shut off the engine walked over and said hey Thanks, you're very kind, appreciate your, your hospitality. Go ahead. He says, what are you doing? I'm, I said, I'm going from this place to this place on the map. He says, why are you doing that? Well, it's another public access spot that, uh, that I'd like to hunt. And he says, why are you going over there? I said, well, it's the next closest place. He says, well, how about that place? While he points across the road. Oh, yeah, it looked pretty good. Had a little bit of everything, some tree cover, a shelter belt. Uh, a bunch of CRP, and then a little bit of everything else. He said, why aren't you going there? And I said, well, it's not on the map. It's privately owned. And he says, I know, it's mine. Shot my first black pheasant there. I won't tell you that story on this one because it's not about finding hunting in the New West, but it was hilarious. Anyway, you never know what might happen if you keep an open mind and smile a little bit. Be kind, considerate, and uh, and sometimes just keep your eyes and ears open. Okay, first on the list. Uh, by the way, you're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linda, the host. Uh, my favorite bird until my knees give out is the Chucker partridge. And uh, the New West, especially the Great Basin, is probably most well-known among bird hunters for chuckers. And for good reason. There's a lot of ground. Most of it's public. Most of it is what I'll loosely describe as high desert. You know, we got hills, we got flats, we got arroyos, we got playas, we got creek beds, we got a lot of elevation change. Those are all good things for chuckers. Don't forget. They're originally from the foothills of the Himalaya Mountains, on into the Middle East, where they live in in country that looks a lot like, well, the Great Basin and the New West. There are some things that are really important to chuckers that might be worth a look. The first is those ele- elevation gains. Chuckers sell you'll you'll find them on flat ground, but that flat ground is almost always within the giant elevation and verticality that you find out there. It could be a bowl, it could be a flat, a bench, or something like that, but it won't be too far from hills and mountains. And those hills and mountains should be covered with a couple things. A lot of broken rock. Rim rock is good, but just lumps and piles of volcanic rock are almost as good, and we find them in all sorts of places. The other one, and I can't stress this enough, I'm reminded every time I go, a good, strong crop of cheatgrass. Yeah, the biologists hate it, but it's here to stay. If you're a fire manager, close your ears. Cheatgrass is the one and only key indicator of the potential for chucker hunting success. I mean lots of cheatgrass, vast swaths of it. So with your binoculars or with your Onyx or other mobile mapping app or any other way you can look at it, take a look at the slopes and see if there's a lot of cheatgrass. Now, the reason is, number one, much of the year birds are feeding on the seeds, Some parts of the year, they're feeding on the new green shoots that are coming up. And that's typically in the fall and the winter. Find cheatgrass, find chuckers. Where are you going to find them? Geographically speaking, I'm not going to tell you the secret spots. I'm going to tell you that the Great Basin, look it up, is the hotbed for chucker hunting. Yeah, there are a few in Wyoming. There's some in Utah. But generally speaking, find... Public land in the Great Basin to start your search. Valley quail. Well, in a way, they're at the bottom of those hills where the chuckers are. In fact, the third and fourth day of a lot of chucker hunts end up being quail hunts because my knees are going sideways or the dogs are a little bit, you know, sore footed, whatever. Uh, Valley quail have been the salvation for any number of upland bird hunts in the new west for me and my friends what are you looking for there well the first thing you need is folds and bumps in the landscape they're called valley quail for a reason creek bottoms love them canyons and draws yeah especially if they have this kind of cover something shoulder high but a clear understory so they can run around quail much like chuckers and most of the other gallinaceous birds When they're going to escape a predator, they'd rather run than fly. Once you're in the air, then the Cooper's Hawks are all over you. So, look for understory that is virtually clear. Not bare ground, but almost bare ground. They'll live a little closer to civilization, and in fact, uh, as as this podcast is being recorded, they are watering in our backyard. They don't mind that at all. And the other good news about valley quail is that they don't really need that verticality that comes from a chucker hunt. So check for those kind of um, habitats. Use stealth. Remember, they're the most notorious bird for posting a sentry. And next time you're at the sporting clays range, remember that quail will seldom fly any higher than they have to. So learn to shoot low. Be safe, remember your dog, but learn to shoot low. The bucket list bird or the slam bird in the quail world is the mountain quail, and uh, there's only a few places where you can actually chase them with some modicum of success. The New West is fundamentally where it is. The Sierra foothills The Cascade, no, the Coast Range foothills and the Cascade foothills in southwest Oregon are where almost everybody goes if they need to put a mountain quail on their life list. They're an elusive bird. They're hard to chase because they run and they will not hold for a pointing dog. So, um, you know, if you have a cocker or a Labrador, that might be the right bird for mountain quail. They're in the thick stuff. Not, all, not really high elevation, but they can be. Manzanita, thickets of uh, low-growing uh, shrubs of almost all sorts. They eat a lot of the berries that will fall off or are low-hanging. They like the steep stuff. And in a pinch, in a dry year, I would chase after them along riparian areas. If you had to lower yourself to chasing them without a dog, then the first thing you want to do is listen carefully. They have a relatively distinctive call, but more importantly, you can often hear them if you're stealthy, just moving around in the brush and muttering to each other. So welcome to Southwest Oregon, part of the new West and the place to go for mountain quail. Well, if there was a bird that would rival chuckers as my favorite, it would be sharp-tailed grouse. In fact, I often describe sharp-tailed grouse hunting as uh, chucker hunting light. The, um, The ground is a little bit more level. Yeah, lots of knobs, lots of high spots. That's where you'll find sharpies. Not much in the way of rocks. Sagebrush? Sure, once in a while. And grass that will that is long enough tall enough to bend in the wind that's the best description i got from a biologist many years ago so look for that early in the season which is when you really want to go before they start bunching up into big groups with lots of pairs of eyes looking out for people like us hunt the early season when it's warm and when it's warm you want to find shade that's where they'll be hanging most of the time. They'll be under the, you know, the buffalo berry or the, or the snowberry bushes, uh, not only because there's food, but because there's shade. We walk a lot of creek bottoms that may be bone dry, but every 200, 300 yards, there's some sort of a tree, and that's the relief that those birds need in 80, 85-degree weather. So look for those. Look for birds on the high spots in cooler weather, they will be up there so that they can identify you and get out of there before you get any, anywhere near close to them. You want to find them? Well, in the New West, and we're not talking the Dakotas, in the New West, it's all about Montana. Anywhere from central Montana on east, you'll find sharp-tailed grouse, and you'll find huns too, but we'll talk about that Next, they're usually a bonus bird. Those Hungarian partridge. Um, not until this season. Okay, maybe one or two other times uh, on trips to Montana did I go specifically for Hungarian partridge because you know they're just not there in the numbers that the other birds are, but you can find them, and they are. An intriguing bird. This year in particular, I've learned a lot about some of the other interesting places they might hang out. Um, take Chucker Country, take those hills, take that cheek grass, take those rocks, scale everything down a little bit, make the grass a little shorter, and you might find Huns there. That's in the Great Basin. Further east in Montana, they don't get the hills like that. They get more rolling hills. But that low grass is the difference between Hun country and Sharptail country. Sometimes they'll be in the middle of a wheat field. So be a little creative. Be a little bit, um, I guess, aggressive when it comes to covering ground. And remember this, when they start rising, there's always going to be one more Bird with my good friend Felton in Northeast Oregon a couple weeks ago. I was ambushed by a big covey of Huns with my gun broken open and on my shoulder. Once in my life, I thought ahead. As they flew away, I put the gun together and stood by. And sure enough, one bird got up. I took a shot, thought I missed. Flick felt otherwise. 200 yards across that canyon he headed straight for the one bush at the bottom little scuffle a little bit of rattling in the bush and here he comes all the way back up the hill with that hungarian partridge that i thought i missed thanks flicky good job keep up the good work extra kibble that night you can bet on that i'm gonna do that again i can't wait to go back thanks again felton for showing me that spot now the problem with Ringneck ring pheasants in the New West is most of the good country is privately owned and inaccessible to us. There are some times when we can uh, access some of the put and take spots in the western part of Oregon, for example, or there is some walk-in ground in central and northeast Oregon, and in central Washington. There's a little bit in Idaho as well, but for the most part, it's going to be private ground. If you find any of that ground, yeah, good luck. There are birds to be had. So take out your flushing dog and put them in the swales and the creek bottoms, the irrigation ditches, and all those other thick places. Sometimes it's standing crops. Sometimes it's cut crops. CRP, whatever it is, it's got to be thick, and you've got to shoot carefully and quickly. If I had one bit of advice, it would be keep your expectations down, and if you shoot anything, congratulations. If you're going to find those places, like I said, Central Washington, Eastern Washington, a little bit at the uh, Oregon-Idaho border, croplands and those kind of places and then of course all bets are off when you go to montana anywhere you can get on open ground walk in of one sort or another there's a chance you'll find pheasants you can ask around and make sure if that's what you're after that you're on the right spots in the right places montana is the best new west pheasant country you will find You're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. We're reviewing the New West and how we might succeed a little bit better. Still got lots more to come. I'm going to um, go over some of your bigger challenges when it comes to accessing new public access ground. Um, maybe next time around, I'll talk about taking good care of the dogs. I will also cover some of the dangers out there. Let me touch on some of them just very briefly. I've mentioned barbed wire already. It's a big one. So be ready for it. If you haven't teach your dog a little bit about how to be wary about, you know, uh, barbed wire, how to go under, how to go through it, maybe practice that a few times. The other big threat for your dog in the New West is coyotes. I've seen them do all sorts of chilling, creative, you got to admire them, chilling and creative things to try and lure your dog into their scope and thus... well, I don't even want to talk about the worst parts. But anyway, one time hunting in a blizzard, I thought I heard my dog hung up on a wire fence it sounded just like a dog that was really hurting bad. I put the gun down, raced over there, realized there's no dog hung up on a fence. Here he comes trotting over to me and two coyotes skulk away out of the brush on the other side of that fence. Another time, and this is the worst one I've ever had happen to me. Walking, uh, well, hunting a young dog on my right An older dog on my left, going up the hill in Chucker country. Over the top of the hill comes one coyote. He looks at me, he looks at the old dog, looks at the young dog, and then makes a bee line for the pup. I yelled, I screamed, I waved, waved my arms. None of that worked. I rolled him with the first barrel. He got up and kept going for the puppy. Hit him again, he rolled over and limped off. I never found him, couldn't put, a, put him out of his misery, but at least he didn't get to my puppy. They get pretty bold out there in wild country where they're usually the apex predator. Bear that in mind if you're headed for the New West. Teach your dog not to socialize with any, with any old other dog-looking critter out there. Now, I'm not telling you how to conduct your New West adventure. I'm not. But if you're coming out our way, you will have much more success if you go along. I mentioned earlier, check your preconceptions and your politics at the county line. The folks who live in the New West are not, maybe not, what you think they are. They're just like you and me. They pull their pants on one leg at a time. Quite often, those are well-worn wranglers. But other than that, we're the same people trying to lead a good life. There's private ground out there. Honor that. There's a lot of agriculture. That's how the world... That's, you know, like the, like the bumper sticker says, If uh, you know, don't criticize farmers with your mouth full. There's resource extraction of all types, from oil and gas development to mining. And there's ranching. Comes with the territory, as they say in the New West. All those things are realities and part of the economy. And speaking of the economy, remember, when you come out West, in most of the towns and wide spots in the road that we hunt, we are economic development. Spend your money locally. I don't care if the fuel's a dime a gallon more. I'm still going to top it off, if nothing else. I buy my groceries. I spend some money in the taverns. And in the long run, it pays off for everybody. And that's the whole point. Respect them. The locals are as viable an economic contributor to this country as anybody else. And they, in turn, will respect you. Leave gates the way you found them. Don't hassle the cows. They're walking thousand dollar bills for ranchers. Be courteous and considerate. And the same will apply to you. I know. Sorry. End of lecture. Just had to get that off my shoulders. And uh, out into the, the world that we dwell in. The wonderful and incredible world of bird dogs. Birds. Open country challenges of all sorts, and an incredible amount of natural beauty. Remember all that as you head for the new west, and you will have an incredible time as well. All right, coming up in just a moment, your thoughts on the hardest part about finding new places to hunt and that prize with the new Upland Nation puzzler, Put your thinking caps on, your blaze orange thinking caps. We're brought to you in part by Dr. Tim's Natural Performance Dog Food. Watch some of the videos at my YouTube channel and, uh, and find out how important feeding and food are to peak performance in your bird dog. Tim Hunt knows of what he speaks. He's a veterinarian, a scientist, and a sled dog competitor. It's all about fat when it comes to performance for your dog on a day-to-day basis, but not just any old fat. Find out what the right kinds of fat from the right sources are at drtims.com. 30% off your first order. Just use the code UplandNation when you place your order at DR tims.com, And you know what a bad shooter I am, so I'm heading for Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School. They're near Salem, Oregon, so if you're on the way anywhere in the New West, think about stopping by, park your RV for a couple days. They have a great campsite for all of us with RVs. Test out some of the new guns and gear, take a lesson from a certified instructor, Yeah, they've got just about every kind of gun right there in their rental fleet. So if you're thinking about buying, stick around and try a few of those guns. You can shoot anything from skeet and sporting clays to five stand and trap. It's all at Mid Valley Clays and Shooting School. Learn more about them at midvalleyclays.com. You think you know your dog? Well, that's the topic for today's Upland Nation Puzzler. Pretty simple if you know your dogs or uh, if you want to just look them up and learn more about them. The prize this month, the end of December, if you Facebook message me with the correct answer anytime this month, the prize is one of my Scott Linden signature series over the shoulder Jaeger leads in camel with a slip loop. How convenient. All right. Message me on Facebook with your answer to this question. Where is your dog's stop? I mean, part of his anatomy. If if you got a dog like mine, he never stops. But on his body somewhere is something called a stop. Good luck. Somebody's going to take home that Jaeger lead. Yeah. Facebook me. Message me where's your dog stop? All right. So uh, I had a great time watching all of your responses to the question on our Facebook pages this week. What is the hardest part of finding new hunting spots? Thank you all for participating. Uh, Some great answers. Richard Allen says the amount of people that found the same spot. Well, yeah, I know the feeling. Just keep looking, Richard. That's why I look for three or four spots in the same area. And how often, Jack Gable says, this sign is next to the one that was in the Facebook post, which is posted no trespassing. His sign is, warning, if you can read this, you are in range. Yeah, respect private property. Travis Hampton says, you got to be brave enough to risk not finding birds. Yeah, sometimes the success for the day is crossing that place off your list forever. (laughs) Greg Paddock says it's tough to fit in hunting and scouting in one week of hunting trips. Well, then make it two weeks next time, Greg. Andy Upwards says his biggest challenge is finding enough time to hunt them properly with friends. Yes, um, we have a, a kind of a, a, a circular thing going around here. Three or four of us are sharing all sorts of advice and trips. And it seems to keep everything fresh. You, you know what I mean. Whether you're going with them or not, when they get home that night and debrief you, it's like you went too. Thank you, Tom, Ben, Mark and all the others I hunt with and talk about hunting with. Stuart Smith says, The toughest part is being a reactivated hunter. He's got nobody to hunt with. Stuart, drop me a line. Let's talk. Anybody else, check the Facebook page. Check in with Stuart. Let's see if we can get him going on the right foot. Jason Brown says he's having trouble finding a wildlife management area that's actually open. They're closed a lot of the season. I understand that, especially this year with the drought, emergency haying, that sort of thing. And Jason Richards says the hardest part is finding time. Yes, it is. But at the end of the life, it's not about how hard and how long you worked. Is it, Jason? Sorry to be philosophical, everybody, but thank you for putting up with me. You're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden. That was all brought to you by FindbirdhuntingSpots.com. We got new material every week to help you find places to hunt, train, and care for your dog. I put up a new article on some of the pretty good dogs I've hunted with over the years. It was fun to write. I hope it's fun to read. Take a look at it. It's at findbirdhuntingspots.com. And that'll wrap it up here in the Upland Nation podcast. Thanks for listening to my advice on the code of the New West. I think I might do a webinar on that sometime. So I've been talking to you about doing that. Maybe that'll be the topic. Um, hope you had a good Christmas. hope you're looking forward to a great new year. It's coming right up, as if I have to tell you that. If you enjoy what you hear, please tell a friend. That's how we grow, one listener at a time. Check out the Wing Shooting USA and the Upland Nation Facebook pages, talking every day there. And if you need to subscribe anywhere you can do it, I would appreciate a subscription and then a rating at Apple Podcasts. I'll leave you with this. I'm going to have it inscribed in our next front door mat. If our dog doesn't like you, we probably won't either. Happy New Year. Until I see you in the field, I'll see you next week on the Upland Nation Podcast.